0: Welcome to the Connect Church podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Well, hey, Connect. My name's Chris, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet. Glad you decided to gather with us today, as Alex shared at the opening of the service. Today's a special day. We're concluding Rooted, a very defined period of time in our, you know, walk with Jesus. We've been through this teaching series, been experiencing things in our groups, and we're celebrating today what God has done. You see, as a society, we're pretty good at celebrating. At birthdays, we've got... Presence in cake. At graduation, it's confetti in cake. At weddings, you got champagne and cake. We're good at celebrating. Or we just like cake. Either way, it's a good time. And, and I love celebrating too, but here's what I've realized about myself recently: I'm actually not as good at celebrating as I would like. And uh, it really comes down to the, like, kind of my personality. I'm pretty driven to achieve, so I'm always focused on the future, the vision, whatever the thing is that I'm working towards or leading people towards. And I can be so future-oriented that I forget to celebrate what was. I'll illustrate this very quickly in two ways. When I was graduating from seminary, before, or not graduating from seminary, excuse me, when I was graduating from college, I actually started my reading for seminary before I even walked across the stage. My week of finals at CCU, I was already reading in preparation for my first class at Denver Seminary. Uh, I think of when I, uh, years later, I was a pastor in Maine and had had a great season of ministry there, loved it. It was awesome. We lived by my family. It was so good. But before even our last Sunday at the church there, where we said goodbye to our church family, and then that week, goodbye to my family and friends, I had already started planning for Connect Church. Like, countless hours of planning. We had a name, we had a logo, we had raised tons of funds by God's grace. We we had a place to meet. We knew we were going to be meeting here at the Lone Tree Rec Center. All of this before my last Sunday at the church, I got to serve as a pastor out in Maine because I struggle to, to celebrate what was because I'm so quick to move on to what's next. And here's why I do that. When I like think about it and reflect for a sec, it's because I figure when I get there, like when I arrive, oh, then I'll celebrate and it'll be great, but like I'm not there yet, so I'm going to keep working to get there and, until I'm there. But What I've realized over time is that leaves me in a pretty disappointed, discouraged state. God has a different perspective on celebrations. God loves to celebrate too. And and scripture tells us that when Jesus comes back, oh, we're going to have the celebration of all celebrations. Scripture calls it the marriage supper of the lamb. And it's going to be incredible but God doesn't just like to celebrate then; He, all along, has been teaching his people to celebrate along the way. Probably the most well-known celebration for God's people in the Old Testament was this ceremony or this uh, festival of unleavened bread, or Passover. And it was at the first Passover, When Israel was doing what God told him to do and God passed over and he he freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, that they were instructed by God to remember that experience every single year. It was an annual celebration. And here's the interesting thing to me. The celebration wasn't that they arrived in the promised land. The celebration was about what God had done, how he had freed them from slavery in Egypt. It's because God, yeah, he's all about the celebration one day, but he wants us to celebrate along the way because he knows when we celebrate along the way, we're reminded of how he's worked in our lives. It builds our faith in the process. Now, before we move on to what's next as a church, I want to give us a a time and a place to reflect and to celebrate what God's done in just the last couple of months. You see, when Rooted began, we we set out on a journey together, a journey that has been stretching at times, but a journey in which we've grown, a journey where there have been new revelations as well as much-needed reminders. It's been a, a journey of discovering Jesus for some and a journey for many of us in, what does it actually look like to follow Jesus in community? It's been a journey. And as we set out on this journey, our hope was to experience growth and transformation. Well, what have we experienced? Well, we've prayed together along the way. We served together along the way. So today we're going to celebrate together because God has been moving over the last couple of months, but if you're anything like me, it's easy to move on to what's next, the next series, the next thing, the next event, without ever taking time to just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. I asked you to move. You moved. And I just want to say, thank you. I want to praise you. Now, to kind of invite our own self-reflection around how God's been moving in our life We're going to look at an account from Jesus' ministry. It's recorded in John 9. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. And in this account, we see how Jesus transformed a man's life. In this instance, in just a a day, just a moment. And as we look at this, I want to invite you to think about how has God been working in my life? How has he been changing my heart? What's the transformation that's been taking place as of late? And towards the end, we're going we're gonna to celebrate that together. If you need a Bible or a place to jot down notes, you can, of course, follow along in the church app. As we dive in, let's pray. And let's just ask God to speak to each of us personally and to reveal to each of us personally what he's been doing in our lives as of late. God, we come before you knowing that you have moved, that you've answered the prayers for change and transformation. And while we haven't arrived yet, we pause today today to celebrate, to remember, to praise you for it. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to each of us now? Would you speak through scripture? Would you speak through this message? Would you just speak directly to our hearts? And would you show us the work that you've been doing in our lives so we can give you the glory that you deserve? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, listen to this guy's story of encountering Jesus and experiencing transformation. I'm going to provide some commentary as we read a rather lengthy account, all right? Picking up John 9, verses 1 and following. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this was the running debate of the day. Every rabbi had an opinion on the matter. So it's natural that Jesus' disciples wanted Jesus' take on who sinned. Was it this guy? Was it his parents? Is that why he's blind? Well, Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus flipped their cultural paradigm on its head. They're asking the wrong question. The question is not who sinned him or his parents. Sure, sin's at play. Sin's always at play. Sin has broken God's perfect creation. But in this account, sin is not cast in the lead role. Neither is the blind guy or his parents for that matter. Oh, no, no, no. God is the hero of this story. And a better question to ask would be, how is God going to show up in this? How is God going to show up in this? You know, we too are quick to point at them or that thing as the reason for our pain. And it's easy to point fingers, because then we get to be the victim. But what if instead of pointing fingers at them or that thing, what if instead we let our pain point us to God? How is God going to show up in our time of need? How's God going to show up in our marriage? How is God going to answer our questions? Jesus continues in this account. As long as it is called day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash In the pool of Siloam, this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. You got to pause for a sec. I mean, unless unless you're into mud pies on your eyes, like sometimes God's work in our lives doesn't look like we'd expect. Or maybe even want. But this guy, well, his neighbors and those who'd formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, nah, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then are your, were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to, the, to, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. I got I to pause for a moment and just highlight this man's role in his healing. Don't get me wrong, Jesus is the one who healed the man of his blindness, and Jesus chose to use the man's obedience in the process. Jesus said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So what'd the guy do? He went to the pool of Siloam and washed. It's crazy, I know. Jesus said something and he did it. And on the other side, oh, he experienced great transformation, tremendous Joy. A lesson for us might be when Jesus says it, we do it. Let's continue. Now in verse 12 and following. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. Okay, last time he was with Jesus, he was blind. Like, no kidding, he didn't know. They brought him, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Now, that was a religious no-no. Totally broke the whole religious paradigm of the religious leaders of the day. They had straitjacket rules for the Sabbath, what could be done, what could not be done, and apparently spitting in the mud, making something that would cure a man's eyes, didn't fit the bill. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed And now I see, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Have you ever missed God at work because he didn't fit into the straitjacket rules you created for him? May we never forget, God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledges that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. So a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. They want to know if if Jesus is a sinner. And the blind guy... He's like, I I have no idea. All I can tell you is that I once was blind, but now I can see. Transformation. It's the business Jesus is in. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was disconnected, but now I'm connected. What's the difference? What changed? Jesus moved. The transformer showed up and did what he does best. And we may not be able to explain it all, just like the blind guy might not be able to explain it all, but we can testify to the change that's taken place, the transformation that we're experiencing. Now, this is good news. This is, like, really good news because Jesus stands in the gap of of the the, the sin that, that, that was in our way, The brokenness, the pain, the mess. Jesus stands in the gap. He actually took it upon himself. And because of him, we can experience change. We can experience healing. We can receive life. We can go from being spiritually blind to spiritually seeing. And it's not because of anything you or I do. It's because of what Jesus has done. And the cool thing is, this transformation, it doesn't just happen once and then we're like over it. Yes, there's a major transformation that takes place when we go from lost to found, when, when we see Jesus clearly, receive his grace and mercy, and walk in the new life that he's given us. There is tremendous transformation when we receive Jesus, and it's a journey. And at different points along the way, Jesus does something different in our lives. Each leg of the journey, there's different transformation taking place. When I think of different legs of my own spiritual journey, one leg was I went on a missions trip in high school. It was incredible. We got to go down to Nogales, Mexico, and help the people there. We learned as much from them as we got to contribute. And when I came home, I was different. I went there as a selfish teenager. But I came home much more generous and grateful for what God had given me. I think about my time in college, and I think of how I entered college so insecure. But by the time I graduated, I had a newfound confidence because of what God had been doing in me over those four years. Uh, when I went through Rooted for the first time, it's four years ago, with some of you in this room, and we had just moved here from Maine, we were reestablishing ourselves in the area, and I was lonely, but by the end of that Rooted experience, I had friends. I felt like I belonged. I had a community. The amazing thing is that we don't just encounter Jesus once and he's done with us. Every time we encounter Jesus, he changes us. So before we move on to what's next, let's celebrate and thank him for what he's been up to. Jesus meets us in every season, every leg of our spiritual journey, and when we encounter him, we leave changed. So, again, I'll ask you, how has Jesus been changing you? What was life like 10 weeks ago, a couple months ago? What was life like then? And what is life like now because of Jesus? As you reflect on that, let's keep reading, because the account account continues, now verse 26 and following, then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you're this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. As he's talking out, he's connecting the dots. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. Conclusion, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth, how dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Even though this guy experienced transformation, he once was blind, but now he can see. Even though his whole story has changed, the religious leaders who he had looked up to his whole life hurl insults at him. They speak over him, his old identity, that same narrative that he's been told his whole life. You were steeped in sin at birth. I mean, imagine if you're that guy, what that would feel like. This, This leadership group that you've looked up to the, the leaders in your faith, and they're telling you you're steeped in sin at birth. Unfortunately, it's not that hard for us to remember or, or imagine what it, it feels like when someone speaks our old identity back over us. Because we've heard it you're not good enough, you're an accident, you're unworthy. It's crazy. We can be dancing on cloud nine. It can be amazing. And then someone we love, someone we respect, someone we admire, speaks something, and even just a couple words can take the legs right out from under us. So where is Jesus in this? Where is Jesus when our past haunts us? Well, as we continue, we see that he's right there with us, reminding us of who he is and who we are in him. Check this out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and he went and found him. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind." Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Gotta love Jesus. He flips the Pharisees, the religious leaders, whole thinking all around. It's jumbled. You see, it's not checking religious boxes that gets us to God. That's not how we get to God. That's what the religious leaders taught. That's what the Pharisees thought. But Jesus upends all of that. The way we get to God is through a relationship with Jesus. I was blind, but now I see. We may not have all the answers. We may not know how Jesus did everything he did, but transformation is what Jesus does. When we encounter him once, when we encounter him over a lifetime, it's just what he does. And over the last 10 weeks, we've been on a journey together, a very intentional time, defined leg of the journey. And we've experienced some transformation. We might not think it if we don't take the second to pause and and think, what was life like 10 weeks ago, a couple months ago? What was life like then? And how am I different now because of Jesus? You see, we're quick to move into what's next, but not today. Today, we're pausing to remember what Jesus has done. And what's so cool is that as God gave his people in the Old Testament ways, ceremonies to remember him, to remember his work in their lives, ceremonies like Passover, Jesus has given us two ceremonies to remember him now. The first is baptism. Baptism is how we identify with Jesus. When people believed in Jesus and decided to follow him in the New Testament, what we see is that they very quickly, like immediately, got baptized as a public expression of their faith in Jesus. In fact, Acts 2 tells us that when Peter preached this incredible message, 3,000 people responded, they're just cut to the heart, they want to follow Jesus, they ask, what do we do, Peter says this is, this is how we publicly express the faith that we have in him. An outward expression of a spiritual reality. Peter replied in Acts 2, 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. That word literally means like 180, flip a U-turn. We were walking one way, now we're walking another way with Jesus. That's what that word means. And be baptized. What's that all about? Well, Paul, another early follower of Jesus, an apostle in the first century, he explained the significance and the symbolism of baptism like this and why it is so significant in our faith. It symbolizes dying to our old life of sin, just like Jesus died for our sin. And then as we come up out of that water, it's like we are, our sin is washed away not because of the water, because of Jesus. And this is just a a symbol. We die to that sin and we rise to this new life with him. Baptism, it's just one of the ceremonies Jesus has given us to remember him and specifically identify with him. It's crazy. I mean, even even in other parts of the country, especially in uh, Islamic parts of the country, where... That, that whole worldview is so prevalent. It's interesting. Muslims don't get, all, don't get all bent out of shape when someone prays a prayer and receives Jesus' forgiveness for their sins. But someone can get ostracized for their family, like be considered dead to the family if they get baptized. Because even other religions understand there's something significant when we publicly identify with Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who saves us. And we're not supposed to delay in this. It's crazy. As a pastor, I I see this all the time and it breaks my heart. People will receive Jesus. They'll pray a prayer and they'll receive his grace and his mercy. And sure, they're going to heaven one day. But you know what? They spend so much of their life trying to clean themselves up. Like, I got to get my act together and then, then I'll get baptized. Friends, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus washes our sins away. So if you're waiting to get baptized because your life isn't perfect, you're going to be waiting forever. But Jesus invites us to receive his forgiveness and then express our followership of him by getting baptized. Baptism is just the first step of obedience. It's the first step of the following. And, uh, I was actually baptized as a a baby because my parents were Catholic and that's what their religious tradition taught. So they did the best they knew how. They wanted me to grow up in faith, so they had me baptized. That's what the priest told them. It's interesting, as we then read scripture together as a family years later, what we realized is that that's not what the Bible teaches. Baptism is not a decision someone makes for someone else as well as intend, intended as that may be. Baptism is a, is a decision that's connected with one's personal decision to follow Jesus. If they're going to follow him, then step one is, is baptism. So if you want to follow Jesus and you haven't been baptized, we'd love to celebrate with you. There is a pool that is full of water over there. We've got change of the clothes. We've got towels for you. We can celebrate today after service just catch me, catch someone on our team, and we'd love to celebrate with you. If you've got questions, we'd love to talk it through too. We're here to help you. But baptism is just one of the ceremonies. It's the first ceremony, and it's how we identify with Jesus. That's, it's, it's a major milestone in our walk with him. It's kind of like a wedding ring. Baptism, it tells the world that we're with Jesus, just like my wedding ring tells the world that I'm married. Okay, even if I took the wedding ring off, I'm still married. The world just doesn't know. But Jesus has called us to live our faith publicly, not just privately. Let's talk about the second ceremony. Second ceremony is communion. Communion is how we remember Jesus. Jesus instituted communion at Passover. Like, think how cool that is. At Passover, celebrating how God freed his people from slavery in Egypt. And Jesus instituted a new ceremony for his followers at one particular Passover, the Passover right before he died on the cross. This is how it went down. This is from Luke 22. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He's referring to the marriage supper of the lamp, by the way. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So Jesus was celebrating uh, an annual festival, feast, Passover with his followers. They'd been doing this their whole lives. But this Passover, Jesus provided new meaning, new significance, because he knew what was coming, and his disciples were soon to find out. That, yeah, while there was a lamb that, that they had spread the blood on the doorpost way back when they were slaves in Egypt. There was a Passover lamb, and, and that was to indicate to God, hey, to pass over this house, like, like the firstborn in this house is not to die. So God spared his people, and he freed them from Egypt, because, well, the Egyptians didn't experience that. They experienced judgment. Here's the crazy thing. Jesus is the Passover and He's the lamb of God. He's the one who's take, he's taken our sins upon himself, and now we are washed clean through him. And he says the way we remember him, is by celebrating together when we're we're gathered like this. So every service, we do this. In fact, it's very strategically placed in our service. It's the climactic moment. Because it's not the message that's the climactic moment. It is Jesus, the transformation he brings, the sacrifice he made. And when we take communion, while it may look like it's a lunchable, it's way more significant. The the bread, the wafer, represents Jesus' body, which he gave freely for us. In the cup of juice, it represents Jesus' blood shed for us. Baptism and communion, these are just two ceremonies that Jesus has given us as his people, as his followers, to identify with him and remember him. Now, Let's talk about how we could today celebrate the leg of the journey that we've been on together. One of the cool things about this time, this season as a church, is we've been inspired as we've heard each other's stories. At the end of the message, someone has come up and shared their story of how they came to Jesus and how Jesus has been changing them. We've we've heard the stories in our community groups, too. We've been inundated with stories of life change over the last 10 weeks. It's been incredible. But you know what? Over the last 10 weeks, Jesus has been moving too. And we're going we're to take some time to celebrate that. Because as we've reflected on the daily devotions, God's been showing up. As we've been listening to messages, it's changed the way we've thought about some things. As we've talked with one another in groups, it's challenged how we manage money and live our lives. We've covered all kinds of ground over the last 10 weeks. But the the change, the thing that's set in, the thing that's different about us now is not because of Rooted. It's because of Jesus. Jesus is the one who connects us with God. Jesus is the one who connects us with his church. And Jesus is the one who gives us purpose. So let's celebrate. How has he been moving in you? And and to set the table, I'll share with you how he's been moving in me, and I'll illustrate how you get to share, if you would like, how he's been moving in you. So before Rooted, you know, around Labor Day, I was honestly very discouraged. I didn't know why I was discouraged. I was just discouraged What I came to realize is that because I'm so future-oriented, so vision-focused, I am always living in this gap of like where I am and where I want to be, which is a very discouraging place to live, if you think about it, because you never are there, because there's always more, at least for me. That's the way I think. And what I've realized over the last 10 weeks or so is that God has done a ton He's done a ton in me. He's done a ton in my family. He's done a ton in our church. And there is so much to be grateful for. So instead of living in this gap of where I am and where I want to be, I just, I'm trying to live more in the moment and just say, God, thank you. Like, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for how you have provided. Thank you for how you answered that prayer. Thank you for showing this new dimension of yourself to me. So, I would say that I I was once discouraged, but now I'm grateful. And I want to give you an opportunity to reflect on how God's been moving in your life. What was life like a couple months ago? And what is different now because of Jesus? And as we have experienced together throughout Rooted, there is power in our testimony. There is great celebration in our testimony. Now, I don't want to ask any of you to publicly speak, because that's not fair, and most of you, statistically speaking, would rather die than do that, okay? So we're not gonna, I'm not asking you to publicly say anything. What I am going to ask you to do, if, if you would invite us to celebrate with you, is to, on the cardboard on the end of your rows, to write on a piece of cardboard, What was life like? I once was. For me, I was discouraged. Maybe you once were lonely, or you once were greedy, or you once were disconnected, or whatever. Whatever the word is for you. And then on the other side, you can write what's different now because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, I'm far more grateful. I'm trying to find joy in the journey and embrace the process instead of always wanting to be at the end. I don't know what your story is, but if you would share it with us during this next song, you have the opportunity to. And here's how that can look you can write down on, on, on the side here, you can take a moment, you can sit, you can reflect, and you can write down the words that would describe your life then and your life now. And then, if you want to celebrate, you can just walk right up here and you can literally just stand for just a moment, don't say a thing, and then you can turn it around. And we might clap because we're celebrating with you. And then you can go back to your seat. And then if someone else feels led to come up, they can come up and we can celebrate with them too. Zero pressure. But if you would, we would love to celebrate with you. Let me do this. Let me pray for us and and ask that the Holy Spirit would reveal what has he been up to in our lives. God, thank you. Thank you that uh, you're always at work and that every time we're in your presence and we're aware of it, Uh, You're moving. You're working. Every time we open your word, you're speaking, and we're grateful for that. Every time when even just two or three of us gather together, Jesus, we know that you're there with us in a special way, and we've spent a lot of time in your word. We've spent a lot of time together, and you have been with us, so we trust that as we've been in your presence, you have been working. So would you open our eyes, Holy Spirit, to the work that you've been doing? show us how we are now different because of Jesus over the last couple of months. And would this be a time of celebration? Yes, collectively, but Lord, also personally, where we are reminded that that you're working in our lives. Even when we don't overtly see it, you're working. And because of that, we, we once were lost, but now we're found. We once were blind, but now we see. And we once were a lot of things, but now we're different because of you, Jesus. So we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. So in your name we pray.